Would you turn with me this morning to the book of 1 John? First John, the third chapter, and then John, Gospel of John, the twentieth chapter. Aren't you glad for those nine seats that got paid for? Aren't you glad for that thirty thousand that came in for the children? Already in the bank. Hallelujah. And that remaining twenty will be here just like that. Amen. Uh, Let me announce something. Not uh, next Sunday, but the next Sunday will be Vision Sunday. Uh, Just, well, it's, that'll be a year from our last Vision Sunday. Last Sunday of June. Last year was our Vision Sunday where we talked about the vision of the church and what's next and what we're going to put our faith on next and, and, uh, what we believe the direction of the Lord is right now, next steps. So uh, uh, if somebody's not here, it's part of the family, let them know about it. And if at all possible, be here with us. And uh, the scripture says without a vision, what happens? People perish. And you know, no matter how much faith you think you have, you, you must have a vision to put it on. Your faith produces your vision. And so uh, uh, for, for big vision, it takes big faith. How many believe we have a big God? He can put big faith in us. Give us a big vision. We can have big fruit to His big glory. Amen. So not next Sunday, but the next. What is it? The 29th is uh, Vision Sunday here at Faith Life Church. In uh, 1 John 3, then we're going directly from there to uh, John 20. 1 John and the third chapter. Everybody happy? Everybody comfortable? You glad you're here here at church? You'd rather be somewhere else? You okay? Let's pray and believe God. I, I didn't come to entertain you and you didn't come to entertain me. We're here, all of us, before the Lord. Amen for Him to speak to us and Him to minister to us. So let's all put our eyes on Him right now. Father, we thank You so much. For all you've already done for us in the service, you're a good God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we ask you for everybody to have ears to hear, eyes that see, a heart to receive. Let there come answers to questions and solutions to problems and direction for right now. And and enable us to come up to a higher place of glorifying you and fruitfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1 John 3. And verse 1, 1 John 3, 1, says, Behold, what manner of love the Father. Everybody say, the Father. Do we have a Father? Are you excited about that? I trust you will be even more so before we're through today. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that you should be called the sons of of God. Therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. Uh, the unsaved, the ungodly in the world, they don't know who we are. They're going to find out. <laughs> but the folk that make fun of us, 
They're going to quit laughing here one day. And get real quiet. And real serious. Because who are we? We are the sons of God. Now there are male sons and female sons. The sons of God. I don't think we have understood what a weighty term that is. The sons of God. And what that's going to mean in, in, in the future. It means something right now. But how many know that we're going to rule and reign with him forever? God and his sons are going to be the ones in total control of everything forever. (laughs) Did you hear that? God and sons. Are going to run everything forever. Nations rise and fall. Corporations and kingdoms and clubs and this and that. All of it's temporary. I said all of it's temporary. Armies rise and fall. But there's coming a day. The scripture says when the kingdoms of this world. They shall become the kingdoms of our Lord. He will rule and reign. Who's going to be ruling and reigning with him? Say, I am. am. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to be right there. Hallelujah. Are you going to be right there? You and I. Right there. You you read in Revelation about how he comes on a white horse. With a great big band across him. And names written upon him. King of kings. uh, Lord of lords. uh, And it said behind him there were many that followed him. Rayed in white linen. Their own horses too. Chargers. Who are those behind him? Who are the kings he's king of? And the lords he's lord. It's us. The sons of the living God. Folk don't know who we are. They're going to find out. Most Christians ain't got a clue who they are, their self. <laughs> but they're going to find out. He said, look what love. Look what manner of love. Look what degree of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. And we are. Verse 2. Beloved, what's that next word? Now are we the sons of God. I had a fellow some years ago wrote me a, I don't know what it was, 30-page letter with all his theory about how that we're, you know, we're, we're not yet anything really, but we're going to be one of these days, uh, you know, if our works match up, that if we're good enough people, that one of these days, some way, somehow, we'll be a son of God, we'll be right. No, no, no. That's works. The best of our works could not attain unto ourselves sonship. Our righteousness. So we just had to humble ourselves and admit there was nothing we could do good enough or big enough to merit and earn righteousness. But Jesus bought it, paid for it, 
gave it to us. Amen. We've been given as a free grace gift sonship. Free grace gift righteousness. And behold and beloved, now. Everybody say now. Now. Now, Right now. We are. Amen. Are and is and am a son of God. Right now. We are. Do you like that? Does it mean anything? Whoo, glory. There's only two families in the earth. I mean, you know, don't get hung up on race and culture and background. There's only two families in the earth. Just two. Just two. There is the Father God and His family. That's us. There's the devil and His family. That's not us. When you get born again, you get translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. Dear son, son, you become a son too. Son of light, son of glory, amen, with a glorious future. Everybody say now, we are the sons of God. And he said, it does not yet appear what we shall be. We don't know what all that means yet. But we know this, that when he shall appear, how many know he's coming? He shall appear. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Glory to God. When we see Him come, one thing that's going to be remarkable to us is how much like Him we are. Hmm? That's what He's called us to. Total Christ-likeness. Don't despair if it doesn't look that way right now. Because it's not over. Amen. Time hasn't run out and it's not over. And when we see Him come, we're going to go, wow. Oh, wow. 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 (laughs) We will be like Him. He's the glorious Son. He's the King. He is the Lord. And we are kings as well. And sons as well. And lords as well. King of kings. Lord of lords He is. Go with me to John 20 please. Do you have a father? Is he really and truly your father? Are you really and truly his son? When I say son, I mean sons and daughters. But the the Bible uses the term sons for both. Said out loud as you look there in John 20, he is my father. I am his son. It is this way. It will always be this way. Nothing can ever change it. Amen. John 20. Jesus has risen from the dead. And and two of the women outside the tomb have seen him. And verse uh, 16 of John 20. John 20, 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned herself and said to him, Rabboni. Which is to say, Master. Jesus said to her, Touch me not, 
for I am not yet ascended to my Father. You know, the, uh, all the priesthood in the Old Testament was a type of what Jesus is doing right there. The priest would be washed and sanctified and have blood placed upon their earlobes and thumbs and, and toes and put on the certain clothes and nobody could be around them and nobody could touch them until they went into the Holy of Holies and offered the blood of the sacrificial animal which would cover, wouldn't take care of it, but for a year cover the sins of the people, then it'd be done again. Here Jesus has offered himself up as the Lamb. And the blood has been shed. Now he's raised from the dead to present his own sacrifice of himself. To present his own blood. That's why he says, don't touch me, don't touch me. I haven't ascended yet. Why? Because he ascended on high and he took his own blood and he went into the holy of holies where he made an eternal redemption for us. And he offered this blood one time. It only needs to happen one time. Amen. And he has purchased all humanity that will believe on him and he's paid the price forever. Can you say amen? amen? That's what he was about to do. That's why he said, don't touch me. I'm about to go into the Holy of Holies, not the type on the earth, the real Holy of Holies in the heaven. How many know that blood is still there on the mercy seat? It speaks better things than Abel's. Abel's said vengeance. Jesus' blood says mercy (laughs) and righteousness. And it says clean, clean, I've made them all clean. Oh, glory to God. He said, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren. My what? Brothers. Brothers. If you're brothers, that means you're sons of the same father. Is that right? Oh, I like this statement. Go to my brothers and tell them. Say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father I'm ascending to my God and your God. Oh, oh, do you hear what he said? Do you hear what he just said? Is the Father God as much equally my God as he is Jesus God? Is he equally my Father as he is Jesus Father? Oh, this is wonderful. It's almost too wonderful for the mind to completely embrace but Jesus prayed this in John 17 that we would have the revelation and understand that the father loves us even as he loves the Lord Jesus God does not he doesn't play favorites where his sons are concerned he is just as much my father as he is Jesus father that's a big statement isn't it but did I read scripture here he said, my, I'm going to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Everybody say, I have a Father. I have a Father. The God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ is my God and Father. He's my Father. I'm His Son. Hallelujah. Oh my, that's enough to make you happy the rest of your life. Right there. Glory to God. Now, 
fatherhood, in, in my understanding of the scripture, is the highest place, the highest rank I know of. The Father God, His place is described above all and above the Spirit and above the Son. You remember reading this in the Scripture? Let me read this to you. The Scripture says, talking about a, the Father in Ephesians 4. Don't turn there. Just read it to you. He says, we have one God and Father of all who is above all. Who's above all? The Father. That's what he said. The God and Father of all. Who's above all. Who is through all. Who is in you all. The Father is the greatest. Isn't he? In 1 Corinthians 15 it talks about this. It says the end comes. And Jesus will have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he will have put down all rule and authority. And when all things shall be subdued to him, the Son himself shall be subject to him that put all things under him. That God may be all in all. Jesus said in John fourteen twenty eight, he said, my Father is greater than I. Well, that's the greatest of all, isn't it? Is the Father the greatest of all? He is the greatest of all. Fatherhood, natural fatherhood in the earth is a type of the great Father God. Should fatherhood on the earth be honored? Should it be respected? Sonship is wonderful, but fatherhood is above that. Anything you want to talk about in the kingdom, the Father is above all. And you can see the devil in his subtlety works to undermine this. So much of the, the planet's population, their perspective on all these things is being formed and shaped by secular TV and writings and movies. And in so many of the sitcoms and so many of the shows, fathers are portrayed as doofuses. You know what I mean by that? Nitwits. They're not with it. They're undisciplined. All they care about is reading the paper. And they don't know what's going on. Their whole family is, is going down the tube around them. And they just turn the page of the newspaper. Their teenage daughters and sons try to talk to them. And, and their, uh, their, their language and their understanding is uh, centuries behind. And they're like, oh, dad, he doesn't know what's going on. And everybody laughs. It's not funny. I said it's not funny. It is a subtle way of the enemy trying to warp this and bring this holy and high office and place into mockery. You know, don't watch that stuff. Because it has more of an effect on you than you realize. How many understand the devil is subtle? He's very subtle. And all this stuff is very subtle. I mean, even from years back, all these shows about, you know... uh, 
people, uh, men and women rooming together and, and everybody switching partners and all this kind of stuff. And it's a sitcom. It's a comedy. It, 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 we laugh, laugh at it. No, the enemy's got an agenda. See, he wants you to be desensitized until you become to think, well, that's okay. That's not a big deal. That's not, that's okay. Everybody's doing it. It's all right. And how many can see the drift of the whole society over the decades is going that way? That's how Sodom and Gomorrah became Sodom and Gomorrah. Doesn't happen overnight. Doesn't happen in a year. But no, don't just because the scenery is pretty, just because they're attractive people, just because they're good actors and all that, don't swallow bad morals to be entertained. You don't have to. You can get out on the porch and entertain yourself with some popsicle sticks or something. (laughs) You don't have to sit and let somebody put garbage in your ear and tell you how dumb fathers are. Hmm? I mean, it's it's replete in, in the commercials. You know, they show the dads can't even take care of their kids for an afternoon. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they're, they're just doofuses. <laughs> dummies. Fathers are a type of the Father God. The Father God is no dummy. The Father God is on top of everything. Amen. Amen. He's the head of the family. He knows everything that's going on in the family. He has wisdom to lead and help the family. And his sons respect him and love him and believe him. Can you say amen? Amen. And natural fatherhood is a type of this. Let's don't be sucked up in, in the waywardness of the world. Let's let our minds be renewed. Amen. Not conformed to this world, but our minds renewed so that we think like God does. And people want to make fun of their fathers and make fun of their daddies. You, you, you just stop it and say, no, 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 that's your father. Show some respect. You think got enough sense to know that they, they were off, you know. Well, the Bible says, let him that's ignorant be ignorant still. Our father is the greatest of all. And if he is such, he should be honored as such. I want to ask the question and take a few minutes and answer it about what, uh, who our father is and what he is. What is a father? What does a father do? Have you got a few minutes for this? Yeah. Number one, what is a father? A father is a begatter. In, in, in King James, have you ever seen that? So-and-so begat so-and-so. And so-and-so begat. What does that mean? You, another way to say it, so-and-so fathered so-and-so. So-and-so gendered. Well, the word gender is akin to the word generate. Generator. Generations. What are generations? People that have been generated. Right? Gendered. Uh, There are no people who exist that weren't fathered, that weren't gendered, engendered. The Father God has created all things. You know, in in the book of uh, Corinthians, it talks about that there are, there's a diversity of operations, but it's one God. There's difference of ministries, but there's one Lord. 
And there's difference of manifestations and gifts, but there's just one Holy Ghost. Well, the word operations is the one that's associated with the Father. And, I, and the word operation has to do with the word energize. The energy of everything comes out of the Father. It's administered by the Son. It's manifested through the Holy Ghost. But it comes out of the Father. He fathered it. Who's the Father of the rain and the snow? Who's the Father? You know, God is called the Father of lights. Or also, we, you know, sometimes we just look at that and think religious. That's talking about stars. Who fathered the sun? He did. Came out here. Somebody said, well, there was a big bang. Yeah, when he spoke. <laughs> I imagine there was a great big bang when he said, let there be light. The light came out of him and continues to come out of him. Everything is, is engendered and comes out of him. He is the father. He is the begatter, the creator. There's something interesting here in the book of Hebrews. I want you to turn over there and look at it real quickly. It'll give you an understanding of this. It'll also give you a better respect for natural fatherhood. Hebrews 7. Everybody say, I have a father. I love my father. He loves me. We're inseparable. Nothing will ever separate me from the love of my father God. Hebrews 7, are you there? It's talking about Abraham. How many know Abraham is called a father? He's actually called the father of us all in the sense of the father of faith. And Hebrews uh, 7 talks about, uh, let me see, verse 4, Consider how great this man was, Hebrews 7, 4, to whom even the patriarch, patriarch, the father, Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And he skips on down to talk about Levi, how that Levi, who, who came out of, of Abraham, received tithes. And uh, in uh, verse 8, here men that die receive tithes. But there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. How many believe the Lord received our tithes this morning? Amen. Yeah. And as I may also say, or may so say, Levi also who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. Now hold on. How did Levi pay tithes and he wasn't even born? This gets interesting, doesn't it? Verse 10, for he who, Levi, a man who was to be born... Many, many years later, was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. That's interesting, isn't it? That's amazing. See, modern uh, theory and, and feminist theory has reduced man uh, to a mere fertilizer. That women are the mother of the race. And they just need men for fertilization. And really, other than that, women could run the planet. And apart from the fertilization process, men are pretty much just a nuisance. <laughs> well, women are wonderful too. 
Mothers are wonderful too. But don't diminish fatherhood. Hmm? The seed is in the father. Amen. The seed. He says Levi was in the loins of his grandfather Abraham. And tithed in his grandfather before he was born. Whew. This kind of stretches your head a little bit, doesn't it? God's amazing. I mean, God, God is never called the mother God. Qualities of motherhood are there. Both motherhood and fatherhood come out of him. But he could refer to himself as mother God and mother earth and mother this. See, that's not biblical scriptural language. He is the father. Amen. And the seed of all that has ever been created has come out of his loins. Hallelujah. He is the begatter. He is the creator. He is the father. Amen. We, we use that terminology. So and so, they call, who is R.G. Letourneau, the father of the modern bulldozer. What does that mean? The idea for that came out of him. Right? So-and-so is the father of jazz. So-and-so is the father of this. Modern skyscraper. The father of this. Well, what does that mean? The, the concepts, the ideas, the engineering, the creativity came out of them. They gendered it. They fathered it. Now, they couldn't have, couldn't have brought it to, into being without all the other stuff that goes with that. And the scripture talks about mothers and fathers, that the woman is of the man, and then the man is by the woman, and both need each other, and neither one is independent, you know, from God and from each other. But we're honoring fathers today. Amen. We recently honored motherhood, but we're honoring fathers. How many think fatherhood is something to be greatly honored, greatly respected? Now, in some, especially in the East... Uh, a lot of uh, people of the East and Orient uh, get into ancestor worship. They understand some of these concepts, but they take it too far. And, and not only do they have great esteem for their fathers and mothers, they wind up worshiping them. That's not right. But, uh, but the honor is good. Here in the West, sometimes, not only do people not worship them, they don't even respect them. They make fun of them on TV. Oh, they're just dim wits. Dad's just an old fogey. He's just not with it. Just, ha-ha, <laughs> don't tell him. He wouldn't even understand. This is of the devil. Amen. Did you hear me? Amen. A father is a begatter. Let's keep reading. A father is also a comforter. Go to Second Corinthians, please. Second Corinthians. Y'all in a big hurry this morning? You got time for another point or two? Second Corinthians, the first chapter. You know, the more you understand of, of who and what your father is, the better you'll yield to him and receive of him, the more of his qualities in these areas will be manifest in your life. 2 Corinthians 1, 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. 
He comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Father of mercies, plural. And He is the God of all comfort. Some people here read scriptures about headship and and honoring Father, and they only think, well, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. I'm the head. I'm the leader. Uh, You're missing the whole point. You're responsible (laughs) to lead. And to take care of. And a good father is a good comforter. Amen. Amen. Yes, mothers are good comforters too. They, they excel in that area. But fathers are not just to be hard and harsh. Fathers are to be comforters. Amen. 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 Little children should love fathers. They should be comfortable in father's arms like they are mother's. Amen. They shouldn't feel intimidated. They shouldn't be afraid. They shouldn't be scared. I, I used to have a, a, a Doberman. And he was a big fine fella. I, I like powerful things. <laughs> when he barked it was bass. <laughs> he was very intimidating. And he was all business too. He loved me. But don't come mess with my stuff. He would, he'd bite you. And he wouldn't warn you. He'd sneak up on you. The first time you heard him, it was too late. He's already right there on you. Well, these people came up in the yard, a father and a little boy. He was, what was he, three or four years old, I guess. And uh, here comes my dog out front. And, oh, he, he looks scary. And I called him, and I had his... Uh, uh, I had his collar in my hand, and he was okay if you'd speak to him. He was all right. And uh, But this little boy, I mean, he was scared of this big dog. This thing was twice his size, you know. And he's looking at this big dog, and, and uh, his father stepped out in front of him. And the little boy reached back behind him and grabbed his leg. <laughs> he's behind daddy's leg. And you can see just daddy being there, and his daddy was a big man. He said, just daddy being there gave him comfort. And he said, he said, son, it's all right. Daddy's right here. Come on around here. This dog won't bother you because he knew the dog too. And, and, and he knew I'd already spoken to him. And he reached out and put his hand on the dog's nose. And after you did that, he was just a big old pet now. And uh, uh, so the little boy waxed bold. <laughs> he stepped around front there. But he always kept one hand on daddy's pant leg. Because that gave him comfort. How many understand our Father's great strength gives us comfort to know He's there, to know how much He loves us, that He's going to take care of us, He's going to protect us, He's going to provide for us. It gives us comfort. Amen? A Father is a comforter. A real Father is not a hard, harsh taskmaster and only judge. He's the father of mercies, mercies, real fathers, merciful, merciful, forgiving, kind, strong, but kind, amen, Amen? and a comforter. Can you say amen? A real father is a nurturer 
and a teacher. In uh, Colossians, you don't have to turn to this, but uh, Ephesians, before I read that, Ephesians talks about honoring your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And he goes on to say, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up. What does a father do? Doesn't provoke the children to wrath, but brings them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. A father is a nurturer. He wants to see his sons and daughters flourish. Right? He doesn't view that his sons and daughters are there to serve him. He's there to nurture them. He wants them brought up to their full potential. Amen? God has put some of that in me concerning this church. And he, he spoke this to me. Some of you might not have been here. It, it, it thrilled my soul. I wrote it down. There's only been like uh, less than ten things that I've written down since this church started that the Lord spoke to me a direction about this church. If, you, if you'll notice, I don't, I'm not all the time saying the Lord said this. Hmm? That's a weighty statement. Did you hear me? If I'm reading the Bible, well, yeah, the Lord said it. If, and I might say, I perceive. This is the sense I have. But there's a few times I'll come and say, I believe the Lord said this. Amen. And here's the thing he said to me. He said, I'm growing this church up quickly. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. I heard it just as real as if Mo would have said it to me. I'm growing this church up quickly. You can see it, can't you? And we're not just talking about in numbers and in size. We're talking about spiritually. I mean, I, I won't limit it to that. Uh, I, I, he's probably talking about every way. But I, I do not want to see uh, the people of the church in a babyhood state ten years from now. It ought not be that you could come to this church regularly and hook up and ten years from now still be a baby. That's not okay. And you know, some parents, because of their insecurities, they purposely keep people dependent on them. Because if they don't feel like you need me, you know, in that sense, I used the word intentionally that time. If they don't feel like you're dependent on me, you have to have me, then they, they feel... Like I'm not important and I'm not, I'm not needed. I'm not required and they don't know what to do with themselves. No, we're supposed to, uh, real fathers, real mothers, uh, will train people up and wean them off of you onto the Holy Ghost yeah. as soon as you can. Amen. I can't lead you like the Holy Ghost. I can't provide for you like God, Right? I can train you. I can help you. I can get you started. I can set an example for you. But how many know the father and the mother has been successful when the child comes to maturity and leaves the house and leaves home? Amen. And excels and reaches their full potential. Now, they should still honor mother and father, but they're not dependent on them like they were when they were five years old. 
I believe that. And, and that's why I've said some of the things that some people, you know, I, I, they, they had a mentality where they grew up in a smaller church and, and everybody believed that the deacons hired and fired the pastor like he was an employee. And the pastor is hired to do the preaching, to do the visitation, uh, to do the praying, to do this, to have faith for us. That is unscriptural. Amen. It is not biblical. Ministers are given, the Bible says all the fivefold ministries are given to build up, amen, and to edify and to train the church, the church to do the work of the ministry. Amen. 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 Phyllis and I are not going to be mom and daddy to thousands of infants. We're going to have babies. People are going to get saved and they're going to be a baby. And you're going to help us take care of them. Right? In a big family, the elder children must take help take care of the babies. Have you? I mean, a mom and daddy that's got fifteen kids, huh? And and, and that you know how, especially how it used to be, mom and dad, daddy's got to get out at daylight and get in the field, and he's working, and mama's washing on the rub board and cooking in a in a wood stove. That'll take you all day, just that kind of stuff. Well, you can't be changing five diapers and, and, and feeding three bottles and all at all that same time. So what happened? The older children, right? The older children help take care of the babies and the toddlers. That's the way it's supposed to be. And that's the way it's supposed to be in church. Amen? Amen? And that's the way it will be in this church. You're going to excel at praying for people. Having faith for people, visiting people, comforting people, praying for people, helping new babies that have just got in. That was mighty weak, guys. That was, that was just a little too weak to make me happy. God is growing this church up quickly. Amen. I believe that's a word directly from him. I believe he told me that. He's growing this church up quickly. Amen. Yeah, we're going to be big. Yeah, we're going to have big numbers. We're going to have big offerings. We're going to give big amounts to other places. But that's, that's not even all. That. The main thing is we're going to grow up and be mature inside. Amen. We'll have some babies, but they'll be growing up quick too. And I just would, God, that it would be impossible... Well, I shouldn't say that because uh, you can come and sit and not be a doer of the Word. But if you'd be a doer of the Word, I would, God, it'd be impossible to come year after year and stay a baby in this church. A father is a comforter. And a father is a nurturer, a nourisher, someone who who helps uh, uh, his sons and daughters to develop and rise up to their full potential. Go to Hebrews 12, please. Hebrews 12. I've got this one and one more. Can you, can you take it? You got time for it? Hope so. A father, a real father, is also a corrector. Hebrews 12 and verse 6. Well, let's back up and read uh, verse 5. Hebrews 12, 5. 
And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. Will the Father chasten you? Will he correct you? Will he even rebuke you? Yes, he will. For whom the Lord, what? Loves. He chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Now let's just stop right there. I have had, remember a lady one time, bless her heart, she sat across from my desk crying her eyes out. Her children were terrors. Anybody know what I mean by that? Terrors. Children are supposed to be a blessing. They're supposed to be enjoyed, not endured. Now, even with the best, I suppose there's some endurance. But, but you know what I mean. Not there's just nobody can enjoy. You can't visit anybody. Nobody can visit you. That's not right. And uh, this woman, you know, she read somebody's book and believed that she shouldn't correct her children. Should just let them express themselves. And this one screaming in her face, saying, I hate you, I hate you, using bad language. Well, he's expressive. He has full freedom of expression. And she's lost all her friends. Nobody wants to be with them. Nobody wants to go with them anywhere. And she, and I told her, I said, children, you know, must be corrected. I read her the scriptures. They must be corrected. Even, you know, little ones sometimes spanked. Now, I know that's not popular, but God has more kids than anybody. Amen. And God made kids in such a way that there's extra padding on certain parts of their anatomy. And if you'll take something smooth like a board and apply some pressure for the extra padded area, then it'll, it'll, it'll be red, it'll smart. It won't hurt them physically, but it will affect their soul. It stings for a little bit. <laughs> but now that does not that does not justify backhanding a kid. That does not justify hitting a child with a belt buckle. Did you hear me? Fracturing a bone. Bruises that stay for weeks. That's abuse. Did you hear me? But anybody with good sense knows the difference. And so she was so convinced. I mean, and she actually told me that she had written this letter to a certain Dr. So-and-so who was expert on this. And she said, Dr. So-and-so, I love your book. And it's wonderful, and I believe it, and I have never laid a hand on my child, and I don't correct them, and I let them express their little souls. But... It's awful. I mean, they have no respect for me and nobody wants to be with me. What do I do? Well, he didn't know because he's not basing anything on truth. This is his opinion. This is it. And it's amazing how people never stop to ask, what are their kids like? <laughs> this expert that wrote this book, where are their kids? What are they like? Hmm? Anybody can write a book. Didn't mean you know anything. 
And so she's looking at me. I said, I said, ma'am, I said, you must, uh, you have to discipline these children. You, you have to correct them. She said, I, I love them too much. I can't stand to, I said, no, no. We read these scriptures. Everyone, the father, what? Love. love. I said, you don't love them enough. Amen. Amen. You love you. She said, what do you mean? I said, you don't love them enough. I said, you would rather let them go and not correct them than go through how it makes you feel to correct them. Anybody's mom and dad beside mine ever say, this hurts me more than it does you? And you thought, I don't think so. (laughs) How, How can that? But then parents know that it does. It, it bothers you. You don't want your child to be angry with you. You don't want your child to be miffed and not want to be around you. And, but I'm telling you, if you love somebody. You know, Phyllis and I have been in different positions in ministries and more than one ministry. And there's been people that I've taught and people that were under me that just got so aggravated to me. I mean, you know, they, they decided I was almost the Antichrist, man. I mean, they, they thought, oh, you know, I had a fellow tell me one time, 10 years later, he said, man, I hated you. Oh, he said, I hated you. Yeah, I said, well, how are you now? He said, I like you now. <laughs> he said, I couldn't see it then, but you were trying to help me. Yeah. See, real love will put up with you even not liking me temporarily Amen. if it will keep you from destruction, if it will spare you and help you. Real love will go through what it takes. To correct you. People say, well, I love them too much. No, you don't love them enough. It's easier not to correct. It's easier to let it all slide. It's uncomfortable. I mean, Phyllis and I in ministry, there's been many times, I don't want to talk to that person about that. I don't want to bring that up to them. I'd like to just go ride my motorcycle. and Stay out of their life. But it's, it's my job. Amen. If I'm going to be a good father and they're under me, I have to sit them down and go, hey, this is not right. Word says this, and you're doing this, and this is not right. In love, everybody say in love. love. A real father corrects. Yeah. Keep reading. He said, verse seven, uh, verse six. Whom the Lord loves, He chastens, and He scourges every son whom He receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is He whom the Father chastens not? A real father, sometimes people say, well, you know, boy, my, my, little, my little darling, she's so wonderful, she has never needed any correction. She's a brat, too. My little son, he's so wonderful, I've never, ever had to correct him, and, and, and he's a terror. There are no children, who, they're, they're, there's not the child exists that never needs any correction. Just like us, we're all the children of God. There, there are none of us who, who never need any correction. Everybody needs correction. Right? We're not perfect in knowledge. We don't know everything. We haven't done everything perfectly. So we need adjustments. We need correction. Times even reproof. And if you tell somebody and they don't listen, you tell them they don't listen, you tell them they don't listen, then they need a rebuke. Right? And even discipline. You might want to write this down if you didn't know this. The Lord told me this years ago. He said, ignorance needs, uh, uh, requires, I should say. 
Ignorance requires, well, you know, need would be applicable in that case too because it's, they are deficient in that area. But ignorance needs or requires instruction. And uh, rebellion requires discipline. Ignorance needs or requires what? Instruction. Ignorance shouldn't be disciplined. Hmm? Just because it rubbed you the wrong way and, and, and little Johnny messed up something and you think, oh man, it's messed up. Yeah, but what did you tell him? What did he understand? Hmm? If he did it in ignorance, he needs no discipline. Right? What does he, what does he require? Instruction. But what if you told him very, very clearly and they repeated it back to you three times and you know they knew and they just decided not to do it. To do something else. What is this? This is not ignorance. This is rebellion. Does rebellion need additional instruction? No. See this is where most society is missing it today. They're going to sit down. I've seen people. Bless their confused hearts. I mean they, they sit down with a three year old. And reason half a day in a supermarket. Trying to convince them. Well what do you want to do? Well, honey, why why don't you want to do that? And instruction, no. Rebellion requires discipline. Amen. This is how God deals with us. This is the best way. He said, verse 8, If you're without chastisement, whereof all, how many? All are partakers. Then are you bastards and not sons. We're not illegitimate, are we? We're not fatherless without fathers, are we? We have fathers. We have the Father. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Should you give respect to the correction of the natural father? Now, this is children and fathers. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Hallelujah. Why would he correct us? Only for our good. Only because He loves us. Only because He wants to spare us problems and and, and damage and loss. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. What they thought was best. But He for our profit. I would say for our certain profit. That we might be partakers of His holiness. No chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. You don't enjoy it while it's going on. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them which are exercised thereby. I've had the Father correct me. There's been times it was not fun. He didn't put cancer on me to teach me something. He didn't send a tornado to tear up my house. That's the father of the the world you're thinking about. Not our father God. Oh, but I tell you what. God can get a hold of you. Oh, man. And he's corrected me in some ways before that I'm thinking, oh, man. Boy, you just want to lay on the floor and cry for a whole day. But you see it. And you get it. And he brings strength into you. And there's some things I wouldn't go through again. For large sums of money. You couldn't wave millions of dollars in front of me and me want to do it again. I'd say, no, no, thank you. (laughs) Keep your money. But you know what else? I wouldn't take anything for it either. For what I learned 
for what devel- what developed in me because it, it helped me rise above uh, child likeness in different areas, helped me to become mature, not not moved with every wind of doctrine, everything that comes along, helped me to rise above some instability. It's good to be stable. It's good to be secure. Amen? Amen. And these are things you learn through correction. Now finally, a real father, our father God. Go ahead and turn with me to, uh, to Matthew 7. A real father, our father God. Is a giver. Isn't he? A real father is a giver. Do you know of a greater giver than your father God? In Matthew 7, let's read it. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask what will happen. Shall be given to you. Seek. You shall find. Knock. It'll be open to you for everyone that asks, receives. He that seeks, finds. To him that knocks, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? What's the answer to that question? No good father. His son is hungry and the father's got bread and the son asks for some of the father's bread and, and a good father's going to give him a rock. It's not going to happen. A good father, if his son asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? A serpent? What's the answer to that? No, No, certainly not. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your father, how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? How many remember James 1 says every good gift? And every perfect gift comes down from above. From what? From the Father of lights. Not Father of darkness. Father of lights. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. One thing about a father is he will always be there. He's Jehovah Shammah. The Lord who is present. The Lord who is there. How many remember he said, you know, I will not fear. God is with me. He has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He said, I'm with you always to the end of the earth. A real father is always there. Yes. Always be there for you. Thank you. And always be good. And never changes and stops being good. And always gives. What kind of things does he give? Good things. Good things. Perfect things. I've enjoyed a good relationship with my earthly father, my natural dad, and still do. And uh, it's, it's just understood. I know that anything that's his is mine. Amen. I know that. It's covenant. If I went home, which I'm liable to do at some point here, I've been thinking about it, going for a day or two. Uh, if I went in and, and second day I'm there, third day I'm there, I'm sitting out on the, the porch, sad. And, and Dad came by and he said, what's wrong? I said, Dad, I've been wanting to go somewhere for three days. 
and you've got a yard full of cars around here. He usually keeps two or three trucks and cars, and he fixes them up and sells them sometimes. And uh, I said, I've been wanting to go somewhere for three days. You wouldn't offer me a car. (laughs) I'm in trouble at that point right there. With my mom, too. If I sat around and moped and said, you know, and she said, what's wrong, baby? I said, I'm hungry, mama. And you hadn't, I saw you had some food in the fridge there. I saw you had a pie on the stove. I saw you had some stuff in the cupboard, but you hadn't offered me any of it, which wouldn't be true. But if, if I was sitting there and said that, both of them would think, boy, what is wrong? Get up from there. We taught you better than that. My dad would be, he'd be irritated at me big time. He would, because he'd say, boy. You know anything out here, you can drive anytime you want to. You know where the keys are. And there's a little, little verse right up under that. Don't wait for me to personally invite you. And yet people do that with God. I said people do that with God. They don't realize He's good. They don't realize He's already provided everything for us. you got to be an appropriator. Anybody know what an appropriator is? Come on now. Do you know what an appropriator is? Appropriator is you go in the door and you say, hi, mom, hi, dad, give them a hug, and you go to the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. And you you roam around and and you see something and you appropriate. You just go ahead and, and, and receive some. Huh? Just go ahead and whip out. You know where the knife is. Go Go get the knife and cut a piece of that pie out. Yeah, go ahead and get a plate and put some of it on there. You don't have to write no formal request. Just sit down and poke your lips out and act pitiful. What's that out in the yard, Dad? Yeah, I like that. You just, where's the keys at? Appropriate. Take a spin. Right? Go for a run. Go for a drive. Everybody say appropriate. appropriate. Does your father love you? As much and then much more. How much more than any natural father ever loved their son or daughter. Does he? Does he? Does he? Is he as good to you? And how much more good to you than any natural father ever was to their child? Does he want you to have good things? How much more will your heavenly father give good things to them that... Ask him. You gotta appropriate. Must appropriate. Must appropriate. Just come right on into the, the throne of grace and say, Father, thank you. I'll take some of that and I'll have some of this and I believe I'll receive some of that and I'll take some of that and I claim one of these and I claim, you think that'll make him mad? He creates planets. He's not broke. Your father is rich. He's beyond multi-billion, multi-trillion. He's multi-planet. Multi-world, multi-sun, multi-solar system rich. We can't even see all he's got. Oh, glory to God. Stand up on your feet. Say, I am a son of a rich father, of a good father. My father's a blesser. He's a blesser. He's a giver of good things. 
Hallelujah. Reach your hands up and begin to thank God. Oh, Father, you're a good God. What a good God. What a good God. Just tell him for a little bit, you're a good God. You're my good, good, good Father. You're my good, good, good Father. You're my good, 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 good Father. Hallelujah. Oh, praise you, praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Hallelujah.